0: Wow, what an amazing time it's been, hasn't it? I uh, don't know about you, but I feel a little kind of like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, God is so good, isn't he? I just love it when he speaks to us in this way, when he kind of begins to catch us up in things. Uh, it's there's a sense of things that have been bubbling away. That it's almost like you, you don't... You you, you you. He just sometimes catches us unawares. Uh, just listening to Jeremy talking about the worship uh, being released. And uh, just a sense for me of coming this evening feeling like God has uh, just given me something in terms of how we are to be as people together on mission. And... Uh, Just hearing the prophetic words coming tonight, it's just been so encouraging to hear that. But uh, it's just great to be with you. It really is great to be with you. And we are so grateful for you as a church. It's just an amazing thing to think. I was flying in on Tuesday evening and uh, flying into Fredericton thinking it was 16 years ago that I first came, first met Joe and Angela and some of you. Uh, just see what god 's done here, uh, and then, two years ago, this kind of almost bizarre thing that we 're kind of like we 're in London, and then God calls us to vancouver and uh, <laughs> Jeremy and I uh, sit down with Joe and angela and and, and Gary and bob we 'd never met before and and Kevin and Marilyn we 'd never met before, and we 're sitting down and so, talking about. Uh, this crazy idea that we'll go from four time zones that way uh, and uh, do something four time zones that way. And you think, only in the kingdom. <laughs> only in the kingdoms does it work like this. You know, it's just—it's nuts. I mean, it is, isn't it? Come on, th- you think about it. It's nuts. So, uh, and we're just, we're so grateful to you as a church. And I'll say just a little bit more about that in a little while um, So as Joe said, I'm going to just share a little bit in terms of the process that we've been, but also just a sense of feeling over the last couple of weeks that God had put something on my heart to share with you, uh, both for us as Christ Central uh, New Frontiers churches here in Canada, uh, but also particularly for you as a local church. And uh, it's a delight having you served us in so many ways to be able to come and serve you and encourage you this evening. So I wonder if you'd turn with me to Acts 13. And uh, before, we, um, before we, we get into it, I'd, I'd love to just give you a little bit of context to that. So Acts 13 signals a major shift in the book of Acts. Uh, for the first 12 chapters of Acts, uh, the, the scene really is modern-day Israel and Syria. And, uh, and really, it's all about the mission that is being led by Peter and the 11 apostles in Jerusalem. And in in chapter 13, it shifts, it moves. The focus changes to modern-day Turkey and Europe. And we find that uh, that Paul and his team and their church-planting adventure really takes the focus uh, of the rest of the book. And so, we're going to read the first five verses of Acts 13 and uh, look at that a little bit and we'll talk about our story in the midst of that. So, Acts 13, 1-5. Now, there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know as Paul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. That's a... a Good place, I think, to be involved in church planting. Wouldn't mind a call to Cyprus at times, January, February, in Vancouver in particular. The idea of Cyprus is, you know, that's a good gig. Um, then they arrived at Salamis. They proclaimed the word of the Lord in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. And so begins an amazing story of mission, of church planting that just goes like wildfire, through the Roman Empire, and within a hundred years, there has been the most remarkable uh, evangelization of the known world. Let's just pray together for a moment. Father, we thank you that you don't send missionaries, you send sons on your mission. We thank you, God, that you catch us up in eternal purposes that you prepared from before the foundation of the world. You take us, O God, us who have nothing to commend us, and you catch us up in glorious, majestic purposes, which are eternal in nature. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that tonight you would arrest our hearts with the glorious mission that you came and have led us into and that you have commissioned us to be part of. This worship, these churches together. Father, I pray, pour out your Spirit upon us tonight, that we might be effective in your mission. Amen. It's often that we ask, the Holy, ask, ask for more of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? I don't know about you, but... Uh, I, I think there's, a, there's a, you know, often I've found myself at different points saying, Holy Spirit, I'd love more of you. I want more of you. And, uh, of course, sometimes I think there has been a tendency to be a little bit, more of you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and to kind of, it, it's, it's kind of like, I just want to feel a bit better. But, you know, the truth is when the Holy Spirit comes in Scripture, Things get shaken up a little bit, and change suddenly starts to happen, and and, and the furniture in the room moves around, and warships are launched, and things change. And this is what we find in the Scripture. We find a strong church, this church in Antioch, strong church. And there are a few things that we learn about this church in the passage. First of all, we learn that it was led by a team. And not just uh, any old team, it was a diverse team. There were a number of nations represented in this team. Barnabas, who we read earlier in Acts, was actually from Cyprus. Simeon, who was called Niger, a black African, possibly even the man who carried the cross for Jesus. Some of the commentators think that that's who he was. Lucius of Cyrene, who also came from North Africa, So very multicultural leadership team going on here. Manan, the friend of Herod, uh, and actually uh, commentators think that this guy probably was someone who grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. There's a sense of uh, a guy who'd hung around royalty. He he was obviously a guy of influence. And then Paul, who's referred to here as Saul. So it's a team-led thing. There's brothers working together in team, a strong church, nations together. And God's put nations in our genes. He's put nations in our DNA. And secondly, it was a church which valued doctrinal teaching and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting how Luke portrays this team. The first thing he says about them is there were prophets and teachers. There were guys who were great at expounding Scripture and there were others who were strong in the gifting of receiving the Holy Spirit and bringing things from the Spirit. And so... He doesn't give a lot more definition to that in this passage, but what he does do is he speaks about the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks into this gathering and commands them to do something. Thirdly, we find that this significant commission to Paul and Barnabas to go was given in a context where there was worship and prayer and fasting. This was a church that was caught up with God, this was a, a people who were committed to God personally. There's a sense of engagement. There's a sense of uh, you, these are guys who are gathered together. We want to hear God. There's a posture that we find in this church that is exemplary. We find this this posture. You know, we're before God. What's God going to say to us? It's worship going up, and uh, potentially, if you think about it, uh, at this point. Barnabas and Paul are not really seen as apostles. They're just seen as two of the elders of the church. They're, they're, the, they're leaders in the church. And, uh, and so if you think about it from the church's perspective, what's going on here is God saying two of your key guys are going. Now, for, I guess for many, this must have been pretty painful. These are, these are guys that have pastored us. These are guys who we trust. These are guys who we value. Their ministry among us has been very important to us. And uh, David Penman says this. He says, no local church, listen to this, can afford to go without the encouragement and nourishment that will come to it by sending away its best people. Amazing statement. Amazing statement. Sending away its best people. Someone once said, somewhat wryly, if your church wouldn't miss them, then we don't want them. (laughs) So there's probably some pain associated with what's going on in this passage. But fourthly, we find an obedient church. After the Holy Spirit had spoken and they had concluded fasting and praying, what did they do? They laid hands on Paul and Barnabas They commissioned them, and they sent them off. And so, Phil Moore comments about this. He says, when Jesus told them to go and make disciples of all nations, Paul and Barnabas planted local churches. Whichever way you look at it, that's got to make a difference to the way you invest your life. They didn't simply work for large numbers of conversions. They didn't simply establish a collection of Christian ministries. They didn't even form a network of high quality Christian meetings. They were satisfied with nothing less than planting vibrant and self supporting churches like the ones in Jerusalem and Antioch. So, what we see here in this sense is that mission results in churches planted, and churches planted result in more mission. And so there's this cyclical process that's beginning to happen. Church planted, out of that church comes mission. More churches planted. Out of those churches come more mission. Amazing advance that starts from this point. Here the Holy Spirit speaks through these prophets, and a new wave of mission is released right throughout that world. So what started here in a prayer meeting, what started here in a prayer meeting resulted in churches planted across most of the Roman Empire. Now, I uh, thought I'd just tell you a little bit about our story and the process of uh, looking at this, because uh, it's been such a fascinating thing to read this passage in the light of the, the journey that God's had us on. And uh, just, uh, you know, it's about two years now that the that Trinity Central really has been... Uh, a, a, Sort of in process. Two years ago, standing in this—in uh, fact, we were in this room <laughs> two years ago, and uh, and we were just exploring this whole thing. How are we going to get in? And and you know, God called us, and I just—it's amazing. God disturbed us. God got hold of us. We were in London. We were happy there. We were engaged in a great church. We had a great team around us. uh, We'd just built a recording studio in our our back garden. uh, uh, Sarah and I were talking about the fact that I had possibly my dream team in terms of a worship band around me. It was just like there was some great stuff happening. And uh, our kids were in an amazing school. And then God began to disturb the ground. And he began to loosen our roots. And, and suddenly we found ourselves talking again about church planting and finding this disquiet in our spirit God's calling us on. And, uh, and, and during that process, we found God calling us to prayer a lot. And uh, and so there was this real sense of prayer that began to uh, prayer in terms that we would just gather every morning together, the two of us, and we would pray sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours, just engaging with God. God, what is it that you have for us? God, what is it that you're leading us into? And, and then, as clarity began to come. <laughs> the prayer really began to turn to my gosh, how on earth is this going to happen? I mean, this is you know and so so we began to pray for a team uh, and and we believe the team is so critically important we 're praying lord it 's the two of us and our kids, and it 's a big city <laughs> two point five million people, Lord, we need a team, please give us a team. We prayed for a way to get to Vancouver. Because we had no way. We had no route into into Canada. There was no there was no legal, uh, you know, it was, we started looking at all the visa options and it are just blank, blank, blank. There are 20, I think at the time, there were 27 different possible ways you could come into Canada, visa routes, and we did not really fulfill any of them. It's like, whoa, okay, that's a pretty closed door. We prayed for finance. Planting a church, particularly in a big city, costs money. We're going, whoa, we don't have this. And, uh, and we prayed for, we began to pray for Vancouver. We began to pray for the people there. We began to pray for like the, the conception of this baby. There's this, this thing beginning to be birthed in us. We're praying, God, would you give us something? Would you, would people, Lord God, would you bless the people? And, uh, and then gradually we began to gather a team from the UK. And, uh, and it's, it's a real privilege. I'd love you guys just to stand up. This is Sam and Cath Wade. And uh, I'd love us to give them a, a round of applause. So these guys were ambushed one evening in our, um, around our dinner table. Uh, I think it was in the February, was it? Or was it the end of January? Something like that, February, uh, in 2010 where we said to them, we are planting a church in Vancouver and we would love you guys to be part of it with us. Would you consider it in prayer before God? Um, crazy ask, just a crazy ask. And I remember the moment <laughs> when they said yes to us because we were sitting on a plane in Dubai Airport and I got a text message. I just turned my phone back on, got a text message, we're in. I so, like, yes, yes, God, You answer prayer. And it actually took them another 15 months after that, was it 15 months, to get to Vancouver. Hard road, obstacles all the way along the way. But God has overcome. And so we found team beginning to gather. Some 20 or so people saying we want to be with you in Vancouver from a whole bunch of churches. And this is one of the wonderful things I think you'll see throughout the story is the sense of partnership from different places. Different people engaging together with it. So, uh, so, so we moved to Vancouver via here in, uh, in the September 2011, landed on the ground, and we looked at each other, and we thought, this is it. There are no meetings to go to. There's no worship to lead. There are no messages to preach. There are no people. It's just us. And, and the thing is, that just gets you praying, doesn't it? Because it's like, God, you need to lead us to some people. And we had some amazing things. I, rem- I remember there was a, a South African girl who emailed us. Before uh, we'd arrived in Vancouver saying, can I come to your church on Sunday, we'd emailed back saying, we're not actually there yet, because uh, we, we had a, a website that we'd stuck up. And uh, so we said, we'll let you know as soon as we get there. We arrive, and uh, we email her. She comes over for lunch, and, uh, and we're sitting down. And I said, to where, where are you from? Oh, she says, a tiny little town in, in South Africa called Kloof. I said, no way. Where in Kloof? She said, oh, Haygarth Road. I said, you're kidding me what number, Hagarth Road? She says, 84. I said, I grew up at 94, Hagarth Road, Kloof, South Africa. Our families knew each other. Amazing. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, can you? And and then we're we're walking on the beach one day and Sarah, the the kids get petting this lady's dogs and, and Sarah gets talking to her. Next moment, we're having dinner with her and then she's, part of the church plant, coming along to our prayer meetings. And she said to us just the other day, I'm so glad I met you on that beach that day. I mean, just this God answering prayers that we would connect with people. And so the first six months, we were pretty much there on our own, uh, working it out, started prayer meetings. A bunch of people began to gather in the November, and uh, we had, by, the, by the January, we had about 25 people, 25, 30 people. And uh, so things were kind of ramping up, and, and I thought, oh, uh, we, need to, we, we can't fit in our house anymore. We had people sitting up the stairs. We, uh, initially, we didn't, none of our furniture arrived when it was supposed to arrive. So uh, our initial meetings, we had, we had um, no furniture. The, the workmen in, from the house had kindly left us their workbench with some planks nailed on it. And, and so we'd borrowed some garden chairs, and, uh, and we had a, someone who lent us a sleeping bag that we'd stuck out on the, on, on the floor in the lounge. So that was kind of our... Our meeting space, and uh, and then and then fortunately our furniture arrived in time for Christmas, which was great because the kids the the kids it was like we've got toys again. It was it was great, and and then we uh, so 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 we think we need a we need a venue, and um, in Yale Town, right downtown Vancouver, there was this fabulous community centre called the Roundhouse, and so I uh, went and saw this place, uh, or we went and saw this place with some friends. And I just felt, this is it. This is it. So Suzy and I went in, we met with them, we said, "We'd like to rent your building for our church meetings." And they said, "Sorry, we're city of Vancouver. We don't do religious organizations." So we went back, we prayed. I still have faith with this building. This is our building. We go back. Can we meet in your building? "Sorry. We're City of Vancouver. We don't do religious organizations. We went back. Prayed, prayed, prayed. We went back a third time. We'd like to rent your building for such and such a date for our church meeting. Sure. And the next month as well. And the next month. And it's like, I don't know, I didn't even ask what had changed. It's just like, toe in the door. And so first Sunday in February, we're meeting in this, uh, in this room, and, and there are 35 people, and by the end of February, we've outgrown grown the room. And uh, so we move into this other room, uh, and um, it's just this wonderful sense of God beginning to uh, add people to us, and we had this fantastic uh, moment where we, we'd gone away for a few days of holiday, and I was reading through some of our prophetic words, reading through some of the stuff that we'd been given before coming. And um, I was reading through, and I found a prophetic word given to us by Joel Galant when we were here the first time in April. And Joel said, I see you uh, speaking to me uh, as this train conductor with your hat on, and, uh, and you've got this massive big train, and you're launching out of London, and there's this train track going across the Atlantic over Canada, and, there, and it's coming into the station in Vancouver, and, uh, and, 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 and just seeing people coming on board this train, and, uh, and I feel that when you get to Vancouver, there's going to be a station there for you. It's going to be built for you. And uh, he said, and in fact, I, I think where you meet is going to have the word steam in it. I'm reading this, and I'm, my jaw is dropping open. We meet in the roundhouse. What is the roundhouse? The roundhouse is the end of the original Pacific uh, Trans-Canadian uh, Railway. And it doesn't have steam in the name, but it has the original steam engine in the building. It's <laughs> like, so, whoa! God's got our attention. And then Gary and Barb were over with us, and we had just a fantastic time with them. And I think you guys were with us for the first meeting and the second, the other, in the bigger room, weren't you? Just amazing. Such a blessing. i tell you one of the things that you learn about apostolic ministry in these things is the incredible encouragement that comes when others visit you. The this, this sense of deposit that gets laid into you by others coming. And so we just had an amazing time with them. And, and then shortly after that, uh, we began to run foundations courses, beginning to, get, you know, what, what are our values? What, what, do, what do we mean by church? What does church look like? You know, is our, when we say we're going to plant a church, does that mean, oh, I like what you're doing over there. We'll have a little bit of that. Oh, that's pretty innovative. We'll take a bit of that. You know, not so keen on that. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's not how it works. What does the Bible say Churches? There's a, There's a blueprint here, and we want to build it that way. We're not, we're not just looking for great ideas. We're saying, what is the Bible saying? So we're beginning to build these foundations into the church. And then we, we began to wrestle uh, should we run Alpha in September? And uh, we, we just thought, actually, do you know what? We just don't have the resource to do this. Uh, financially and people wise, we just don't have the resource. Well, of course, at that point, Jeremy and Anne came. And. Uh, so we're sitting down, and, uh, and we had an amazing time with those guys. It was such fun. We're seeing people who've never prophesied before, including one guy who wasn't actually a Christian at the time. I'll let you work that one out. Um, uh, and you might want to talk with Jeremy afterwards about the theology of that. But uh, so, so, so some fantastic stuff happening. And uh, in the midst of this, we have this conversation about Alpha. And I'm still wrestling in my heart. I, I really want to do Alpha, but just not sure. And we came to this decision. We're going to do it by faith. We're going to launch Alpha. And, well, I tell you what, September to December was just nuts. We, we, growth really took off. We started our first Alpha. Sam and Kath arrived two days before we left to go to North. We were kind of halfway through our preparation for Alpha. I said, guys, can you make Alpha happen? Well, Alpha happened we're in this really cool little Italian bakery uh, in Yale Town, just around the corner from the roundhouse. And we, uh, we had uh, about 20 guests coming to that first Alpha. It was just fantastic. And some of those guests then went on to do Beta last term. And, some, and, 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 and we're hoping they'll be in a life group. They're not saved yet, <laughs> most of these guys. But they're coming. And so... We had the beginnings of a leadership team, uh, an initial team beginning to form during that, and, and the growth began to. And we're looking at the room in the roundhouse and thinking, "We got to get out of this place." And so we're praying, "God, would you give us somewhere to meet? God, would you give us somewhere to go?" And uh, and and uh, we found this place. We began to called the Wask Center down in downtown, right by uh, Waterfront Station. If you know Vancouver at all, it's where all the Skytrains come in. So it's a strategic place, and uh, trains kind of figure in our story. And half of our prophetic words are about trains, all right? And so we're, we're negotiating with them, negotiating with them, and, and then things got really difficult. And I'm, one, one Wednesday afternoon, I'm just thinking, maybe we shouldn't be there. Maybe this is, maybe, maybe God's closing the door. This is too difficult, And uh, that evening at Alpha, one of our uh, ladies came to me and said, I had a picture for the church last night. It was of this massive steam train. I think, ooh, you've got my attention. She says, and it's got momentum. And I see it going from one station to another station. And everywhere it goes, it's picking up passengers. And I'm thinking, I know what this is. This is God saying, go for it. Well, within three weeks, we were meeting there. Um, and then we had a carol service there at the end of uh, of the term. Just wonderful sense, whole load of guests in there. And then in January we launched five life groups, and uh, it's just thrilling to see that growing. People betting in, leaders starting to emerge, uh, people committing, people beginning to own it. It's just, it's amazing. And then at the end of January, we had this fantastic weekend where we celebrated our first birthday. And we had Joe and Kevin there. And uh, just an amazing sense of God's presence with us and beginning to see, wow, God's doing something. And so here we are, I guess, 18 months in. We're, we're, Trinity Central is an 18-month-year-old toddler. I mm-hmm. don't know whether you've ever looked at a toddler I remember my son when he was trying to walk, learning to walk. It's like, you know, he'd kind of pull himself up and then kind of charge across the room and, and, and try and land on something and more often than not hit his head against something and hurt himself and, you know, and, and so I, I feel a little bit like that's where we're at right now. You know, we're still working things out. We're still, how, how is God shaping us? What's this, how's this coming together? It's like, whoa, this is all going a bit faster than we expected. We didn't expect to be in a building in, Jan- in February. We expected April, uh, August, September to be in our first venue. This is all going a bit fast. And it, it does feel like, sometimes like we've been holding the sails. It's like, ooh. You know, it's like a windsurfer in a storm. <laughs> oh, I do not let go, but. So, so God's been very good to us. And one of the things that you see is just that, that church planting is not about rock stars. It's not about people with amazing gifts and very clever things. One of the things that we've seen is just how God has brought people into our team who've just been amazing. I'd love to just tell you about a couple called Andy and Sue. And guys, if you could just pop that first picture up. This is Andy and Sue. Andy and Sue uh, are from Bournemouth on the south coast of England, and Andy had a, li- a little video company there, and Sue was involved with the finances for the New Frontiers Church uh, there. And they're in their mid-fifties. They've got three grown-up children, one grandchild, and about seven years ago, God spoke to them about Vancouver. And so, over seven years, they've been investigating: how could we go to Vancouver? There's no church, and there's no ch- about uh, in in 2010. They went to the Brighton Leaders Conference, and they collared Roger by. And they said, Roger, when is there going to be a church plant, a New Frontiers church plant in Vancouver? And Roger, of course, was full of faith. Full of faith. He said, not for at least another five years. So in October, God spoke to us about going to Vancouver. So this is like two months later, three months later. And uh, I, I was told by the leaders of their church, they will never move. They'll never come to Vancouver. They've, they've lived in the same house for 28 years. They'll, they'll never move over. Well, guess what? They started making plans. And then their visa got denied. And so it was like, oh, man, this is not good. And I, Andy phoned me up, said, hey, you know, we're knocked back. But we're full of faith that we're coming. And so, in August last year, they arrived. God made a way for them. And it's just been amazing. If you were to look at them, you wouldn't think, oh, these are the obvious missionaries. This is a couple in their late 50s who should be thinking about retirement, who've sold everything, moved nations, and are starting again because the kingdom has gripped their hearts. Because something has got hold of them. And, uh, and so we've seen that they're leading one of our life groups. They've been at stars on Alpha. It's just great seeing what's going on. And in the November, when we, or December, when we first started meeting, a, a, a lady called Marcella joined us. And then gradually her husband started coming along, Matt. Lovely guy, really quiet. And uh, he, he was coming along, not a Christian, just coming along. And... Um, Coming along regularly. And then when Gary and Bob were with us, Gary had this great prophetic word over them about their marriage. And uh, that was a significant moment for them. And then Andy and Sue moved over and Matt and Andy really hit it off. And then in September, Matt decided that he was going to come on the Alpha course. And on the Alpha weekend away, uh, on the Saturday morning, I spoke a little bit about my story in terms of my, fa- my parents' divorce and the issue of forgiveness. Well, I met Matt in the passageway after that, and Matt w- had clearly been s- crying, and he said to me, my daughter committed suicide nine years ago in the room next door to me while I was sleeping, and... Um, It's slightly hard to talk about this without getting emotional. But he said, Barnaby died that day. He said, I've never forgiven myself for that. That night, we prayed for him. We explained forgiveness. And Jesus walked into his life. And he is visibly different. And Andy baptized him two weeks ago on Good Friday. And this is a picture there you go. That's Andy baptizing Matt. It is just amazing to see what Jesus does. Yeah. Andy and Sue will tell you they're not rock stars. Church planting's for anyone, mission is for everyone. Jesus said to us go and make disciples of all nations. There are two types of Christians: those who are going and those who are disobedient. The commission wasn't "Some of you go." The commission was, "All of you go. Go and make disciples of all nations." Now that doesn't necessarily mean all of you are to move geographically. It starts with an attitude of the heart. It's about ev- getting up every morning to go. It's about getting up every morning to reach out to your neighbor. It's about getting up every morning and asking, what's, the, what's in the kingdom today? One of the amazing things about being part of a church plant is that you wake up every morning knowing you're on mission. You know, unless God does something, we're in trouble. The money's running out. You, you know, there's a, there's a sense of, hey, If God doesn't come through here, we're in trouble. And for Sezio and I, part of this whole process is that as we are praying in those early days, our house in London had not sold. And so we're paying a mortgage in London out of our savings, and we're paying rent in Vancouver, which isn't cheap. And we're watching our savings dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And I'm beginning to think, you know what? If this house doesn't sell... And we can't pay the mortgage in London. This whole thing unravels. <laughs> These are motivations to pray. <laughs> and I was on, we were on our knees. The month that our money ran out, the house sold. God is very faithful. God is very faithful. And when we choose to be obedient, God walks with us. Doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to be comfortable. But man alive, what an awesome thing to take into eternity with us. God calls every single one of us on an adventure of discipleship. We're all called to go. In some way, all of us are part of church planting. For you in, in the church in Fredericton, you guys have been so much a part of this. I mean, we have been so, so blessed by this. And you know what? Had it not have been for you, likely we couldn't have done it. You have been part of people's lives changing four time zones away. It's part of your inheritance. And so when we talk about warships and church plant after church plant after church plant taking off, there's an inheritance for you guys. And some of you will go and some of you will stay and make church plants happen. Both of you are going. The question is, are you on board? Are you a disciple? Are you following? Are you going? Jesus crossed the galaxy to come to us. Mission earth, mission people, mission humanity started with him going. Then he turns to the disciples and says, go and make disciples. I want to ask you tonight, are you going? Are you available? Are you responding to the call of Jesus to go and make disciples? Whether it's here in Fredericton, Ontario, whether it's in other nations, we had this incredible prophetic word about this conglomerate, Anglo America, uh, Anglo American, uh, just a little while back, uh, and and God speaking about that changing to Anglo Canadian, and the sense of two nations being joined. Now, Anglo American is a massive mining company. Mineral rights in many nations. The sense of God joining nations together to reach other nations. God has destiny, eternal destiny for us. And he's calling, are you on board? Are you, are you up for it? Are you with it? Are you up for it? And I feel like there's a challenge to each one of us tonight. Are you up for it? You know, when God prophesies, there are new commissions coming. There's a worship coming. There's a worship launching. The question is, are you up for it? And that's where I'd like to leave us this evening. Do you want to take it from here?
1: During the worship earlier this evening, I just... Um, had that scripture um, drop into my heart. God trains our arms for war and our fingers for the battle. And then Jeremy brought his word, and I thought, Oh, oh well, he said it all, i don't need to say anything, and I, I didn't say anything. Um, but just while Reese has been speaking, i just I just felt God just stirring me to, to say. To bring the word in the context of, for those of us who feel inadequate, the word that he gave me was, he gives us the arms, he gives us the fingers, and he does the training, he gives us the strength. So there's absolutely no point at which we can say, I can't do it, sorry not me. Because none of it is up to us at the end of the day, other than just standing up and saying, okay, you can count me in. And so for those of you who feel a sense of inadequacy and at different points along the journey, we felt desperately inadequate again, and again, and again, um, actually at no point, Has God let us down? And at no point are we um, inadequate because he is our strength.